I always kind of feel with the prophetic course that um, we won't tell you where it is. <laughs> but if you're able to get there, then you probably know it's for you. So that's just a little joke. Don't you? Honestly, you're welcome regardless. Um, so today we are continuing our series as we go through the second half of the Gospel of John. And we're focusing in on what it teaches us about revival living. Um, the passages we're looking at take place at a time when Jesus is preparing his disciples for his soon departure. So he's preparing them. He's, he's going to go away soon, he's going to go to the cross, and then he's going to go back to be with his father. So he's kind of getting his disciples ready for, I'm not going to be here. And so this is what you need to know. This is how you're going to live. This is what you need to do. And so he's doing that with them, preparing them to step forward to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of all the earth. And so with this in mind, these passages continue to be a preparation for you and I. We are also disciples of Jesus who have the same call to share and demonstrate the gospel of Jesus Christ where we are and where we're placed in our lives. We have the call to show how awesome Jesus is and what a difference he makes to our whole lives to show what it is to be new creations in Christ. John started our meeting, didn't he, talking about this is who we are in Christ. It's listing different things about knowing who we are in him and things like that. That's what we get to show as we live, who we are now that we're new creations in Christ. So all this teaching that we're hearing about is for us, is for you and I as disciples of Jesus Christ, not just for the 12 who are in the Bible. We're all disciples. And so this is for us. And so as I don't have many more weeks to go, I want you to tell three people. I'm not even apologetic. This is going to happen more than once this morning. I want you to tell three people Oh, you're looking at I'm a disciple and this is for me this morning. You have to do it. I won't move on. I mean, you know, it's... Uh... Well, Jane, have I done any? I've been doing it all morning. Okay, okay. So in, in this series already, we've not been going um, very long. Just, uh, I think this is the third week. But we've already seen Jesus teach his disciples about service and humility. When he, he washed their feet and was very much showing them, this is what it means to serve one another. This is what it means to humble yourself before one another. We've seen uh, him talk about loving one another and giving them the command to, to love one another. Um, Bizarrely, the way the, the series has been set up and how we're doing it, actually, I'm doing chapter 15 today and chapter 14 is happening next week. But chapter 14, if you want to read it, is Jesus talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit coming to be the disciples' helper, to be our helper, to be with us and to walk with us. And today in chapter 15, Jesus is going to talk to his disciples, going to talk to us about fruitfulness, about being a people who live fruitful lives. So with that in mind, I'm just going to pray, and then we will move on. Holy Spirit, simply we just want to say we welcome you into this sermon. And we just ask that you would open our ears to hear, that you would open our minds to learn, that you would open our hearts to respond. We pray that you would let us live lives of fruitfulness that point others to Jesus and bring much glory to you. And we just pray this in your name, Jesus. 
Amen. Okay, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 15 today, if you want to turn there. And just to give you the tiniest bit of context, um, at the end of chapter 14, uh, Jesus is chatting to disciples. At the very end, we see him say to them, come, let's be going. And so um, I like to think that John 15 is taking place as Jesus and his disciples are walking to wherever they're going to next. And so just hold that in your imagination as we get into John chapter 15. And I'm going to start just with the first six verses initially. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the true grapevine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, fruit and, he produ- and he prunes the branches that do bear, bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. And we'll just wait there, dip back in a bit later on. Now, I do quite a lot of walking in my week. I walk to work and back, which is about a... You know, I guess to a six-mile round trip, and so I spend a lot of my week walking. And what I discover is that Jesus often speaks to me as I walk through just the different things that I see around me. I get to walk through Bedford Park most days on the way to work, and, and it, day after day, I find as I'm walking, just looking around, I find Jesus speaks to me in different ways. And I just reckon that's what's happening here. At the end of chapter 14, he says, let's get up, we're going somewhere, they're out walking somewhere, and I just kind of think they, as they're walking, they pass a grapevine which would have been very common uh, in where they were and what they were doing at that time. So probably just out walking, just past a grapevine, and Jesus uses it to teach his disciples. And I would say just be open to Jesus speaking to you through what you see around you. I think sometimes um, we think there must be some sort of mystical magic thing about how do I make Jesus speak to me. Um, Jesus will speak to you with whatever's around you, if you're open and willing. And so just, just be aware of that. I think that's what's happening here. Now, this is a a quite simple and straightforward picture we have today. Jesus refers to himself as a grapevine. He refers to God the Father as the gardener. He refers to you and I as branches on the vine. Just as a branch is organically attached to the vine and produces fruit, so we, you and I, are to remain in Christ. And as we do so, we also will produce fruit. Jesus commands his disciples, remain in me. Actually, in these passages in John here, Jesus says quite a lot of commands. And it's important, we recognise that. I think sometimes we can read these things as though Jesus is kind of making suggestions. And it's interesting that he uses the words of his disciples. He says, command, I command you to. It's more than just, if you feel like it, do this. Jesus is saying, no, 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 I'm telling you, as your Lord, as your King, as the one who's in charge, I give you this command, you do this. And so we want to take these things seriously, not just as suggestions that, well, when I'm feeling like it, when I'm feeling in that special place, when I'm feeling full of the Holy Spirit, maybe I'll do this. No, no, these are commands that Jesus gives us that we are to be obedient to. He says, remain in me. Other translations of the Bible say, abide in me. But what does that mean? Well, 
I kind of uh, scouted around Google, as you do, looking for help when I was thinking, well, what does it mean to abide in something? And it said this, to abide is to continue to dwell in something. Uh, it's to live somewhere. So where you abide is where you live. Uh, one I liked was to marinate in something that covers you. So um, my wife, um, when she cooks, uh, she sometimes makes chicken. Uh, in fact, we had a lot of chicken, but occasionally, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but, but it involves the chicken going into something and being marinated. And it's left in there for quite a long time before it's cooked. Okay, it's to, and so it changes the flavour. It changes what it tastes like. It gets inside of it. To abide is to marinate in something that covers you. It's to go deeper into something. It's to remain where you are and not move away. Stay where you are. It's to accept without objection. Which I kind of found interesting. Okay, so Jesus is who he says he is, and what he says he'll be will be, and so on. It is to abide with him, is to accept him without objection and reservation. To abide is something that is organic and living. It's not a, a dead thing. It's something that produces life. Uh, my parents live about 200 miles north of Bedford in a place called Yarm. And uh, sometimes I visit them. Not, not often, but uh, sometimes I travel and I visit them. Uh, but I don't abide with them. I don't remain with them. I visit them maybe for a couple of days, maybe for three days. But then I return to my permanent place of residence. Then I abide, where I, place where I abide permanently. And it's worth asking the question of our lives, do I abide with Jesus? Is he the permanent address of my life? Do I live as though I am in him? Or do I just pay him a visit sometimes? Am I just a visitor with him? Is that a more accurate description of our life with Jesus? See, Jesus' commands to his disciples, to you and to I, is to remain, is to abide, is to dwell, is to live, is to do life in him. Not just pay him a visit sometimes. Jesus is saying that he is your life now. You cannot separate the vine from the branches. The, the two are one and the same. You have a new identity. Your identity is now in Jesus. Okay, that's more than an hour and a half than a Sunday morning. It's more than a midweek group that you might go to. All the way through the New Testament, when you read the writings of the Apostle Paul, again and again and again and again, he uses the term in his writings, in Christ. That's who you are now. You are in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17, quite a famous verse, says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. If anyone is in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. See, after you've been born again, you cannot be defined apart from Jesus. You are a new creation. I want you to tell three people. I'm never sorry about it. I want you to tell three people, I'm a new creation and so are you. You're going to have to do it. I mean, we're just not going to move on. You're going to tell people. 
Tell me, Jane, tell me it's true. Now, in a few weeks, I'm going to be gone and people probably won't do this. I know, yeah. Someone just cheer. It's outrageous. But the principle remains. Honestly. The, the principle remains. We live in a world that is unrelentingly and unceasingly trying to tell you who you are, who you should be, how you should live. And we are rubbish at telling one another the truth. We are so passive, we are so quiet, and you've got to speak the truth over yourselves and one another. Because this world isn't going to do it for you, it's going to tell you lies. And so you can't, now, it doesn't have to be in a sermon, but you can't afford to not do it. To speak truth over one another. And so maybe it won't happen in a sermon, but be on the front foot with one another. You are in Christ. This is what it means to be a branch in the vine. Jesus is not just another ingredient that you add into your life. You know, in the Old Testament, with the Old Testament, you'd about the nation of Israel, the nation of God. But what you find is that the nation of God in the end, Israel, ran after all the other gods. Now, it wasn't that they wanted to stop worshipping God. They were happy to worship God. They just wanted to worship all the other gods as well. They just wanted him as an ingredient along with everything else. Jesus is not just another ingredient that we add into our lives. He is the whole substance of our life. We don't just have things, I'll have a bit of Jesus, and then I'll have a bit of this, and I'll have a bit of that, and I'll just get my life how I like it, and that'll be lovely. Jesus isn't just something you add in. He's the whole substance of who you are now. It becomes impossible to understand who you are without Jesus at the very centre of the picture. He defines who you are. He defines what you will do. He defines how you will do it. He defines where you will go. Throughout every area of your life. Jesus runs through that. John, you were praying, I heard you, in worship, and you're praying about it. Through every area, Jesus is there. He's in every part of it. There's no areas of our life where he's not in. He's the very centre of the picture. We are in Christ. And being in Christ is not having something added onto the old. It's being a brand new creation in him. And I wonder how often we live that way, or how often we just think, well, you add a bit of Jesus in and he makes the old a little bit better. That is not what happens when you receive Jesus. You become a new creation. It says the old has gone and the new has come. Not just the old has been spruced up a bit. Okay, I'm not allowed to decorate at home because I'm not very good at it. Um, I'm allowed to do big expanses, but I'm not allowed to do edges and I'm not allowed to do anything of delicacy, okay? That's not what I'm allowed to do. Okay, but we, we decorate our house. We make it look new. We make it look nice. But it's still the same house. It's just had a lick of paint on it. And I think too often we think, well, what happened is Jesus comes in and puts a lick of paint on us so that we're spruced up a little bit. That is not what's happened to us. You've been utterly made new when you receive Jesus. Everything flows out of and is affected by your relationship with him. That is what Jesus means by being a people who bear good fruit in our lives. 
qualities and characteristics which taste of Jesus are pleasing to God. That is good fruit. And as such, Jesus tells us that you and I are people who in him will produce good fruit. Much fruit, it says, actually. When you read it, it says you will produce much fruit. Ongoing fruit, lasting fruit. Not just occasional fruit now and again. So what is ongoing fruit? Because, you know, that's just a phrase, isn't it? Well, I don't know that I really know, but I guess ongoing fruit is living in a way that brings glory to God. Like, not just because I come to church, but through the choices that I make, through the words that I say, through how I think about, through how I treat people, through what I do with my money and resources that he's given me, through what I choose to do with my time through where he comes in my kind of list of things. I mean, I mean so, often, uh, so often we, we move houses and change jobs with no reference to Jesus whatsoever. Uh, is that living in a way that brings glory to God? Is that living in a way that produces lasting fruit? Now, just because somebody offers you a new job or offers you a promotion... Do you ever ask, stop and ask Jesus, Jesus, is this what you want me to do? Before we take hold of it. Move house because we want to move up. Okay, that's nothing wrong with that. But are we asking Jesus, Jesus, where do you want me to live? What community do you want me to be a part of? Where do you want me to serve? I think ongoing through it's living in a way that intentionally is like, how do I live in a way that brings glory to God? that puts him first? How do I live in a way that points people to Jesus? Maybe through the words that I speak or the choices that I make or the things that I do or the way that I treat people. Do people see Jesus in me, in how I live? That's, that's ongoing fruit. Maybe being obedient to the Holy Spirit. Knowing who you are in Christ. Living in a way that knows who I am in Christ. I am not like other people. I am a child of the God of the universe. I'm a son of the living. I'm not like other people. Not like the rest of this world. I'm different because I'm in Christ. That means I get to live with the power and authority that comes with living in him. It means I get to live in a way that is different to this world. I've been set free from sin. I've been given victory in Jesus. That means my life looks different to the rest of this world. And so what's ongoing through is living in a way that way. That walks with the Holy Spirit full of the power that the Holy Spirit brings as he helps me. The reality is that we all produce fruit. Okay, we, we kind of like to think that there's this neutral grey area where nothing happens in our lives. But the reality is you either live faith-filled or you live faithless. There's not a middle ground. We kind of like to like hold on to that middle ground, think, well, I'm not, I'm not really living faith-filled, but I'm just kind of in the middle. Well, no, you either live faith-filled or you don't. We all produce fruit. Just what sort of fruit do we produce? And the Bible talks about good fruit and bad fruit, and that's quite harsh to deal with in our lives. But I know in my life that there are times that I produce really good fruit, but I'm more than aware in my life. 
that there's times I've produced bad fruit. I mean, I've been around for a while now, and there are some bad things that I've done. And there are some things that I've hurt people, and I've not done a good job. That's just, just true. It's true of me, and it's true of you, so we don't all need to pretend. It's just true. I need to be switched on. Am I producing good fruit? Am I producing bad fruit? And I know that I have the capacity to do both. It's about where, the, where, am, I, where I am remaining will dictate what fruit will come out of me. Now, I've been a Christian a long time. This year, I think, will probably mark at some point 40 years. I know. I don't even look a day over 30. And many times I've known that my walk as a Christian has defaulted to a series of events, such as attending church or midweek group. And that's, what it's, that's been it for me. Being a Christian is I go to these places at these set times and come away again. Coming and worshipping, coming and listening, even coming and responding maybe. But then going and continuing to live my own way to my next attendance at a meeting. I don't know if any of you can relate to that, but, but that's what, at various times of my life has been like, that living two lives. So I used to come to church, and I was involved in church. I was a youth leader. Uh, my dad was the leader of the church. I'd come to church. I'd worship Jesus. I'd hang out with my Christian friends. We'd all be good. We'd do stuff. I'd serve. But then I'd go to work at Sainsbury's, and there was the work Andy, and there was the church Andy. And the church Andy, he never swore. And he was generally quite a good guy. But the work Andy, he swore every other word. Almost non-stop. But then when he got back to me in the church Andy, he was good again. Living two lives. Now I'm sure none of us do that. But actually, I'm sure all of us do that. So easily... Being a Christian becomes about the church part of my life. And then there's the rest of my life. So easily being a Christian becomes about our attendance and stuff. And that, and that can produce limited fruit. Don't get me wrong. I mean, during that time in my life and doing that sort of thing, there was good things that happened through my life. It wasn't that God didn't do anything. There was moments, there's people I blessed, there was things I did, there was ways I served. But not where I worked. Because that was my other life. That's not the same as abiding and dwelling and living and remaining in him day in and day out. It isn't the same as walking with Jesus through our whole lives in every area. Now the great news for us is the promise is that Jesus promises us if we remain in him, then we will be a people to produce much fruit. And it's like really important to hear this right because too often I think we somehow hear this and think we have to make ourselves produce fruit. And so somehow it has to be like, right, I need to be fruitful. And so it's, I'm trying to be fruitful. And it's, well, it's about the strain and it's hard to work. I'm going to be, I am going to be fruitful. I, I will be. And our Christian life is joyless because we're just spending all our time going, I've got to be fruitful. I've got to be fruitful. Now, with a lot of effort, I've discovered that I can produce godly living for a while. 
Okay, I've, I've learned how to do it. I've been around a long time. So with, with, with hard work, I can produce godly living. But I've discovered in my own strength I can't sustain it. I can do it for a bit. I know the moves. I know the words. I know what to do to be a blessing. I can do it for a while. I can do it in my own strength for a while. I can. But it doesn't last. Eventually, eventually it runs out. Eventually, bad Andy occasionally crops up. Eventually, I get fed up with doing it in my own strength. Or, or maybe sometimes we read these sort of things and think, actually, and we get it wrong and think, no, to, get, to be in him, I have to be fruitful. If I am fruitful, then I can be in him. Okay? We think that's the measure. So Jesus is saying, be in me and you'll be fruitful. But you're hearing, I've got to be fruitful and then I can get into him. Because the only way he would accept me is if I'm good enough. If I do enough good things, I'll get to be in Jesus. Which is, let me just tell you, a counter gospel to what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. Which is the gospel of grace and mercy. Which says, you'll never be good enough, so I've made a way for you to be in me. And then in me, then you get to produce good fruit. But so often we hear the truth and hear it wrong. I've got to produce fruit myself. Or to be acceptable, I've got to produce fruit and then he'll accept me. Both those things are just lies of the enemy. That isn't what Jesus says. Do you know, um, my dad, bless him, is uh, 70 years old. And my dad, at a quite young age, um, began to lose his hair. Uh, and I can't remember a time really when he didn't have a bald, quite a big bald bit. And uh, I know that Jonathan uh, remarked on my haircut at the start and uh, about me thinning out. I just want to say, I still have a full and luxurious head of hair. Admittedly, slightly receding, but not bad for a man of 45 whose dad was balding in his 20s. Okay, I am doing okay. Now, do you know what I do to make my hair grow? Now, I'm aware that you can get, like, nourishing shampoo and all that sort of stuff, apparently, that smells of tea and mint and stuff. But, but laying that aside, do you know what I do to make my hair grow? Oh, nothing. Two weeks ago, I had a big bushy beard that got shaved off when we discovered an outbreak of nits in my house. <laughs> and the minute you hear that, suddenly... It's like you can't hear the word. It's just like everything, just like, okay. I think even if you're bald, you hear the word nits and suddenly start doing that. It's like, okay. And so I had a big beard. Do you know what I did to make my beard grow? Nothing, nothing at all. It grows because it turns out my hair abides in my body. And so my body gives growth to my hair. It's the same with my fingernails and toes. I don't do anything to make them grow. Apparently there's ways you can look after them, but I don't know about that sort of stuff. Um, I don't even see them grow. All I know is suddenly one day I look at my toenails, it's like I've got claws on my feet. You know, suddenly overnight sometimes it feels like your toenails have gone from being not there at all to suddenly being like you're some sort of animal. Think, what? <laughs> Has that happened? What did I do to make my, toes, my toenails grow? Not a thing. They grow because they're abiding in my body. 
my hair, my nails, they, they abide in my body. And so what's the outcome? Growth happens. Not because I'm trying really hard, not because there's something special happening, it's because of where they live and what they're attached to. In the same way, Jesus didn't tell us to produce fruit. fruit. He told us that if you remain in him, you will produce fruit. If you remain in him, fruit will happen. Okay? Not you have to grow it, not that you've got to do something. Your, your job, you be in him, and fruit will happen. Okay? My hair, my hair be in me, growth will happen. You being Jesus, fruit will happen. You will live lives of fruitfulness. You will live in a way that brings glory to God. You'll point people to Jesus with your lives. You'll be obedient to the Holy Spirit as you are in him, because fruit will happen. It's interesting, you know, we're kind of in this time of revival and still all working out what that means. But I think that fruitfulness results in revival. Yeah, it's cold. Sometimes I think we have to think, when we're talking about revival, what do we do to make revival happen? Oh, no, we need to make revival happen. Everyone's talking about it. What do we do? Remain in Christ. What do you do to make revival? Remain in Christ, and you will be fruitful. And what will fruitfulness result in? Fruitfulness will result in revival. That sounds a bit too simple, but surely I have to do lots of things. Yeah, remain in Christ. You let him be him. You be you in him. You let him be him in you. Fruit happens. And when fruit happens, I think revival happens. So that brings us back around to the question I asked earlier. Do I abide with Jesus? Is he the permanent address of my life? Do I live as though I am in him? Or are you just paying him a visit sometimes? Jesus' command to his disciples is to remain, to abide, to dwell, to live, and to do life. You see, being in Christ just sounds like one of those Christian phrases. But it's not something abstract. Yes, there's a mystery to it, but it's not mystical. Being, through, being in Christ runs through every area of your life. It runs through your thinking, your conversation, your lifestyle, your plans, your passions. It also means that you and I can experience Jesus on a daily basis through the Holy Spirit within us. God, in his grace and mercy, has made it so that he can be known to us. Okay, He's not this distant God who we worship remotely. He has made it so that day by day by day, you and I can know him. I really know him. In different ways, in different ways, different people experience God. But he's made it so that you can know him today, right now. How awesome is that, that this awesome God would, would make himself known? Not just once, but again and again and again, every single day, known to you. It means that we can develop a relationship with Jesus. Because you are joined to him, all of Christ's fullness and goodness are yours. So abiding in him is to take hold by every means available of who you are in Christ. Each day with your whole heart, with joy and deep desire for everything 
that is yours in him and to be all that you can be in him. So we kind of look this, I sometimes think we approach this and think, this, this sounds like really hard work. And it's going to cost me. And it is, it costs to follow Jesus. But it's not like we don't get anything back in return. To take hold of Jesus is to take hold of all the things that are now true for us in him. We are people of the fullness of God. We are people who know love and power and peace and provision and joy and hope, etc., etc. That's all the stuff that we get by taking hold of him. Utterly transform living and lives. As we seek to do this, in fact, we read that Jesus gives us another promise in verses 7 and 8. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Now I've discovered that taken out of context, everyone loves verse 7. You can ask anything you want and it will be granted. I want a million pounds. I want a Mercedes Benz. I want a holiday home in Hawaii. Everyone loves verse 7 when they take it out of context. That isn't what this promise means. Ah, oh, <laughs> I know, I saw Phil sitting forward there for a minute. Come on, preach it, preach it, brother. <laughs> Jesus is saying that as you remain, abide and dwell in him, you can ask for anything that would increase fruit bearing for the glory of God. That's our concern. That's our desire. That's our passion to bring glory to our amazing gods. It's not about us. It's not about you and it's not about me. It's about him and him being glorified. Um, Tuesday this week, uh, back in January, my um, grandma died. She was uh, almost 98 years old. And I went to her funeral on Tuesday, just gone. And uh, uh, she's the one in the middle. Uh, just in case you're not sure. And, um, and so uh, she's part of the Salvation Army, uh, been a Christian for, I don't know, more than 80 years. And, uh, and there was different uh, tributes to her, different people talking about her and stuff like that. And the thing that people kept coming back and saying again and again was that she had an ability to point other people to Jesus whilst drawing no attention to herself whatsoever draw no attention to herself whatsoever and yet somehow by talking with her or being with her you encountered Jesus that actually she was a very ordinary very quiet person but she abided in an extraordinary God so she didn't need to be extraordinary she didn't need to somehow be more than she was she just was who she was she was quiet if you met her, you just say she's a very ordinary woman, but actually the God that she abided in was very extraordinary. And so through her, you got to meet Jesus. And actually at her funeral, in the last, kind of, last 18 months of her life, she, she moved to a care home once my granddad died. And um, you know she was very deaf and she couldn't see very well. And the conversation with her really resulted in shouting very loudly. Uh, but at her funeral, four of the girls from the care home came to her funeral. And it turns out uh, in the care home, even though uh, life was getting more difficult for her, as she struck up friendship with these people who looked after her, they would often come to her, ask her to pray with them, pray for them. And at her funeral, four of these girls came, and one of them, at the end of the Thanksgiving service, 
gave her life to Jesus, which was just like, you know, a young girl, probably early 20s. And the other three said they'd come back to the meeting on Sunday. And I thought, a fitting tribute, actually, fruit, ongoing fruit, fruit that lasts even it turns out beyond her life, worked out. And on the uh, order of service they had on the back, there was a verse from a hymn. And I thought about playing the hymn, but when I listened to it, um, as with many hymns, the words are good, but the tune is such a dirge that you uh, can't cope with it. So I left that to one side. But on the back was just this one verse from this hymn that said this, said, my life must be Christ's broken bread. My love is outpoured wine. A cup overfilled, a table spread beneath his name and sign, that other souls refreshed and fed may share his life through mine. That's our concern. That's our desire. That's our passion. That in him, we would live fruitful lives that bring glory to our awesome and amazing God. It isn't about us. It's about him. About his name about his fame. It doesn't matter if anybody ever knows my name or doesn't know my name. Who cares? They get to meet him. They've won everything. Do I abide with Jesus? Is he the permanent address of my life? Do I live as though I am in him? Or do I just visit him sometimes? Jesus' command to his disciples, to you and to I, is to remain to abide, to dwell, to live, to do life in him, and you will produce much fruit. Now, I know that just by nature of us being here today, we'd all be in different places. We'd all have different successes and different failures. I know in different ways, this won't describe our Christian life. There'll be areas we're doing well in and areas we're struggling But I do feel today there is a call to lay down compromise in our lives. To lay down trying to have feet in two camps. Where we want a bit of Jesus, I just want these things as well. I just feel today that there's that call actually to actually want Jesus as everything. Not just one of many things. Why? Because as we abide in him, we produce much fruit. And as we produce fruit, it turns out people's lives are turned around and new life happens. And so right now we can ask the Holy Spirit to help us that through him we would abide in Jesus. And so we're going to close with communion. Before I bring you to the communion table, I'm just going to give us a moment to respond. And then we'll have communion together. And you might just want to take a moment where you are because you know where you are and I don't. You know where... I don't know, you're doing well and you're abiding in him and you know where you don't abide in him. You know the areas of your life that you've actively invited him into and you know the areas of your life that you've kept him out of. I really think the challenge today is to lay down compromise. Is to lay down trying to have feet in two camps. I think the call today is to abide in Jesus. What does that need to happen for you? Maybe you've just fallen into the Christian routine that, you know, Christian life is just attending churches. 
attending meetings. It's not more than that. It's about your day-by-day living. It's about an ordinary person living in an extraordinary God and fruit happening. Maybe even today you can look at your own heart and be shocked as how it's gotten into the place that it's gotten into. So just where you are, because I don't want to take a long time with this, but this is between you and him. So Holy Spirit, I just invite you to come and I invite you to shine a light on our hearts. Because your command to us, not your suggestion, your command to us is this. Abide in me. Live in me. Marinate yourself in me. And you will produce much fruit. Elsewhere in that passage, it says, I've appointed you to produce much fruit. And so, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to shine a light on our hearts. And we just ask, help us. John 14, that you're here next week, you're going to hear about the Holy Spirit being your helper. Help us. Help us shine a light on our hearts, on the reality of where our hearts are at. Help us to be thankful for what you're doing that is great. And Lord, shine a light in our hearts and bring conviction for what is not. Don't let us be in a place where we settle. And don't let us be in a place where we reject you and all that you want to do. Help us, Holy Spirit. I can't do it in my own strength. Thank you that I don't have to, but I can ask you. And so just pray. Lord, I know there are still places in my heart that you want to touch and that you want to deal with and that you want to bring in you, so that I can be more fruitful. And so as we come to the communion table, as we remember Jesus, your sacrifice, as we remember Jesus, that as your body was broken, as your blood was shed, what you did was you made a way so that even in my brokenness, I can come to you and know forgiveness and be changed forever. It's not about me being good enough. Jesus, you were good enough and you are good enough. And because of that, even in the midst of my struggles, I can come freely into you. I love it that you've made a way. Where your command is, live in me, you've made a way that that is possible. And so Jesus, we just say, just where our hearts are wrong, we just ask for forgiveness now. I want to take a moment to do that yourselves. You know where your hearts are at. Maybe you need to ask forgiveness for certain things. Just ask Holy Spirit, please. Where my heart is still hard, where my heart is pursuing comfort rather than you, where my heart looks at things that you're doing and rather than responding with joy, kind of responds with disdain. Lord, I'm sorry. I don't want to be like that. I want to be more like you, Jesus. And so I just submit myself to you and I say, I'm sorry. And Holy Spirit, I just invite you into my life and I say, I want to live differently. 
I want to rejoice in the things that you're doing. I want to be able to lay down the things that I cling on to that aren't important so that I might take up the things of you. I want to invite you into every area of my life. Maybe some very specific areas this morning you can think of that he needs to come into. We just say, would you do that, Lord? And we just say, this is all for your glory. This is all for your name. That you might be glorified. That people might meet you. That revival might happen as fruitfulness abounds. We pray, Lord.